0: lesson comes to us from the good news according to Saint Luke the fifth chapter on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets That they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. In the beginning, God said, follow me. That's in Genesis 1, right? Genesis 2? Where is it at? Not exactly, but kind of. Think about it for a second. In the very beginning, what's God first pictured doing after creating and making human beings? He's pictured making a man from earth and clay and then giving him a wife and then speaking with him. Walking and talking with him through a garden, pointing out things, walking, teaching. And pretty much every big move in the Holy Scripture since, since then, if you look at it, you can see as another follow me moment, walk with me as I teach you and point out the creation. Abraham, Moses, Israel coming out of Egypt and into the wilderness toward the promised land. King David, or young David, called from the sheep. The prophets wandering here and there. And then the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus here at the beginning comes to fishermen and says, follow me, and they follow him. He says it explicitly in the parallel passages, though not in this one, even though it ends with them leaving everything to follow him. See, pilgrim people, People on the move, walking, learning. This is the characteristic mark of God's people throughout all time. Those on a journey of faith, who lay their life on the line to move toward a better land, a better country. In some sense, unsettled, not settling down. Anticipatory, eyes on the horizon, moving, following their God who is always on the move himself. Moving through the world into new things, new places, new relationships, new stewardship, new land, new country. And yet from the beginning, often, contra-faith, we have often resisted pilgrimage. Why even now are we afraid to follow Jesus into a scary unknown future? It could be the sense of security that we get or that Adam and Eve got from dark bushes to hide in and fig leaves. Some security that we do to make us feel less vulnerable in the world. It could be choosing the comforts of homeland, the familiarity of our place. It could be we don't want to go on pilgrimage because we'd rather get into some sort of our version of a holy huddle. It doesn't have to even be a Christian huddle. Just our tribe of people like us to get strength, the strength of feeling in the majority with people who think and act just like I do. It could be that we're afraid of the scarcity out there following him. And so we're leaning into self-provision, not trusting that he will provide in the perils of the desert. Like Israel, as they go out, even from slavery, they're in the wilderness, and they get tired of manna and water from rocks and birds from the sky to eat, and they look back on slavery and say, I miss the cucumbers of Egypt. Or perhaps we fear, like the Israelites who went to the edge of the promised land, and they sent spies to look at it, and they said, it's full of bountiful fruit, here's a taste of the future, and yet there are some giants in that land and they are our enemies and we are afraid to go. All of these and more, no doubt, we struggle with from time to time. Jesus tells people who try to follow him later, sometimes he gets through these mixed motivations. He tells them in just a few chapters in Luke from here, people says as they were going along the road with these new disciples that we saw in our passage, someone says to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, Foxes have holes to, and birds of the air have nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. To another, he said, follow me. And that person said, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their own dead. For you, go with us and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, he's always known that we are tempted We feel this call of faith to something better, to something with side, to something that God might do, and yet we shrink back. We shrink back to these comforts and safeties and securities. In what ways do we today, in this pandemic, in our individual lives, but especially as a a faith community, where do we need to learn afresh to follow Jesus? What's holding us back from taking steps and seeing where he leads is his exhaustion Fear? Really, what's to lose? God still today says to people, follow me. And we are still called by him to be pilgrim people, walking with him in the way of life, walking in his presence, letting him teach us, letting him do new things through us and with us, leaving all to follow him. That's how this passage ends. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And so how do we gain the faith again this morning, this week, to follow him, to choose pilgrimage again and again when it's so easy to hide in fear, to not be vulnerable, to provide for ourselves, to make sure we have enough resources, security, people around us that make us feel comfortable, the things we're used to? How do we gain the faith? And what does this way of faith, this way that word has always been way, path, this way of faith look like. I want to see three things from this passage, each each just for a few minutes. Three things that I think pilgrimage looks like and why you ought to go on pilgrimage again and again to leave what's familiar and comfortable and safe and to follow him. This way of faith is characterized, pilgrimage is characterized first by what I'm going to call seeking this morning, to be a seeker. And in all of these, What we're doing is following Jesus to be with him. And that makes us like him because we're doing the things he does. We're hearing the things he says. We're encountering the things he encounters and we're learning from him. And so in each of these, understand that Jesus himself is the greatest pilgrim that always lived the way and walked in the path of full faith to God's mission and never shrunk back to choose his own self-protection in any of these other ways. And so Jesus is a seeker. He saw two boats by the lake The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. The good news is that Jesus is a seeker. He is on pilgrimage. He seeks us when we are not looking for him, when we are minding our nets, minding our business on the side. Perhaps we didn't have a catch all night. We're exhausted. We're worn out. We're ready to go home and hit the hay. It's not working out for us. And he seeks us even when we're not looking, when we're busy with our ordinary life. And he seeks us and asks us to get involved and to follow him. See, he's not like all the other rabbis of the time that have applications and internships and incubators and accelerators for the elite to get into. No, he goes to the outsiders. He takes the initiative. He chooses when, where, how, and who. It's not according to our expectations. It confounds our expectations. It's a holy disruption in the midst of their ordinary. It's like a light switch flipping on for those used to darkness. He comes to them and begins to teach and seek and save that which is lost and to lead it into a new and better future. So for us to be with Jesus, to know he's seeking us, is to also seek the things that he offers, to seek him and to seek the things he is still seeking out in the world. Is that, does that mark characterize you in life? Would you say you're a seeker or are you more of a settler? settled into your ways, settled into your beliefs and your politics and your thoughts and your people and your tribe, you know how things are. You'd like to tell people a thing or two, teach them. How comfortable are you versus how curious are you? I was reading this week, a sort of a writing project, I guess, an art writing project called The Book of Visions by uh, a UK artist, writer named Ian Nesbitt. And he's writing about pilgrimage. So just before the pandemic, he decided he found, I'll, I'll explain it in a second, but he decided he was going to go on this old, actual pilgrim route that was uh, discovered, recently rediscovered. And he wanted to do it, and of course, he wasn't able to do it fully because of the pandemic and lockdown, so he's kind of been doing like sequential parts of the journey as he's able to and he wrote about it so I'm just going to read to you a little bit of him and hear the curiosity here the pilgrimage this is the beginning he says in April 2020 I was about to set out on a 220 mile walk on foot collecting and sharing acts towards and visions of a positive future society so he's going on this pilgrimage because he wanted to he, he was discontent with the way of the world and he was trying to think of a new way that we could be human and tell it to people and he said, in the deep uncertainty of the ongoing present, I have found myself, like many others, embarking on unexpected inner trajectories. So his outward pilgrimage turned into an inner pilgrimage. As time went by, I began to wonder how to hold space equally, not just for positive futures and collective yearning, but also for the grief and trauma of our untangled realities and for that which does not make sense right now. My walk began in August 2021, setting out for Southampton on the south coast of the UK and heading towards Canterbury. On what's called the Old Way, a recently uncovered medieval route for European pilgrims. And on the second post, in the which is number two, he describes setting out. This is his post. What did those early pilgrims on this path nearly 900 years ago think they were doing? What future did they see for themselves and their society? What histories were they negotiating with every step? And what happens if I stop and ask myself the same questions? Before we set off from Isle of Wight, it's the journey with a short pilgrimage to the White Well at Whitwell. It seems like the same thing to me. A medieval pilgrim destination, where the sick and infirm would arrive on boats from France to nearby St. Lawrence's Bay and approach along what be, and approach along what became known as in non- non-PC terms, but that's what it was called, The Cripple Path. I sit for a time and listen to this place and its layered histories. As I sit, I consider my intentions for the journey ahead and think about those who have trod this path and what we might learn by listening more carefully to the sick and infirm, those whose very lives are in doubt, What if we chose as teachers and leaders those whose wisdom has been hewed from the kinds of uncertainties that more and more of us are starting to stare in the face now? Those whose lives have been lived under the shadows of poverty, ill health, racism, disability, catastrophic climate change, and statelessness? Or do we want to keep following those who have led us to this point in our history? I think he raises beautiful things there, but I mostly wanted you to get the picture. He's on pilgrimage, it leads to an inner pilgrimage. He starts thinking about all those who have wandered this path, what questions were in their minds and why they were on pilgrimage. Would it lead to deeper questions for us? Can we be curious? Can we listen to new voices? Can we learn from others? He's full of questions, not answers. Are you a seeker? Are your hands and your homes and your minds filled with too many answers for your own problems? If you will continue to seek seeker, then you will have to learn also to surrender. And let's not forget, Jesus is God, but he is also eternally surrendering. This is what the Trinity is about. It's this holy social community where they are one, but they're also praising and giving and serving one another constantly throughout history and brings the whole cosmos and you and me into this that we might live in the same way this outpouring and surrendering of giving and receiving and love and honor Jesus in his life surrenders over and over to God's will not my will be done but thine he surrenders to the needs of the mission yeah foxes are taking a nap in their holes and the birds have nice nests but not for me not at this point in my life I am on a mission I surrendering to God's will and the needs of the moment the crowd is pressing on him people need to be fed people need to be healed people need to be rebuked moment by moment he is always here to serve whatever is needed for the kingdom and so he calls them put down your nets fisherman (laughs) you know you're new around these parts I'm kind of an old pro at this I've been out all night we cut nothing This is stupid. I'm going to say that out loud, but I'm thinking it, right? But, master, if you say so, I will surrender. I will do your will. See, Jesus doesn't explain. He doesn't lead with apologetics or even promises that they're going to have all this prosperity. He just commands them. Do this thing that makes no sense to you. And this is always a challenge. It's a challenge to us today to hear The commands and the demands of Jesus, not only to follow him, but to follow him in certain ways of life that don't feel intuitive. They don't feel right. They don't make sense to us sometimes. We're used to following no one but our own dreams and our own intuitions and our guts and our wisdom. But as you know, we all follow someone. The entire media system is built to get you to pay attention to it so that you will buy things. That's what it exists for, and it's constantly... There to get your attention and your loyalty and ultimately your money. We're always being invited to follow, to listen to a voice. And Jesus comes and says, no, no, no. Listen to me and do this thing that doesn't make sense to you. Take a risk. Risk looking like a fool. Risk just doing extra work. You got to rewash the nets, re-clean them, do all the things. It says at the end that they left their entire homes and families and followed him. And they did this because quickly they had some sense that he was something like a king. He calls him Lord at the end. Could this be God's king? Could this be what God's doing in the world? Could it finally be the Messiah? Could he be bringing in at last God's kingdom? I'm willing to leave this all behind on the chance that he might be these things. And so they don't know where it's going to go. But they surrender and they follow him. For us, it means that we constantly have to surrender our will and our wisdom and our, just our thoughts and beliefs and our stubbornness to follow him. Seeking, surrendering. Surrendering is about giving up control. If Seeking is about not settling. Surrendering is about not controlling. Say, okay, I'm going to trust you with this. I see what you're saying, what you're commanding me to do. I'm going to trust you with my thoughts. I'm going to trust you with my beliefs, even if they're changing more and more. I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm going to trust you with my relationships. I'm going to trust you with my body. I'm going to trust you with my time. And I can only see a couple steps in front of us. That's what surrender means. You don't see the whole thing. He's not going to tell you that there's, he didn't even promise them all the fish. He just said, do it. Of course, the fish were waiting, but they didn't know that at the time. They just knew that they were called to surrender, to submit to his leadership, his commands and the trails and paths that he would eventually take them on. And so we are called to do this again today. And when we do, when we're on pilgrimage, seeking, surrendering, then we will also be marked finally by a life of sharing. Sharing. You see in this that Ultimately, what Christ is doing is sharing God through himself with the world. Sharing the love of God with the world. Sharing the knowledge and wisdom that is God's with the world. Sharing the reconciliation and joy that exists within the Trinity and those that know God with the world. Sharing the fruits of his kingdom with the world. He shares his life and love and resources with us. That's symbolized in this passage by a massive catch of fish. Miraculous, such that two boats are now almost sinking. And he says, you think that's something? We're about to go on this journey together, and you're going to see a catch and a haul like this, but it's going to be made of, of human beings. By the end, he's going to tell them, you're going out into the whole world to all the nations. And most of the disciples did just that to places like India or the northern UK in today's terms. All around the world, they went out. And they would follow him and be with him. But the one promise they had was that he would be with them just as he was in the beginning, walking, talking. The main promise they have is that they are going to share in God's presence, if they follow Jesus. They don't know what ups and downs are coming. They don't know what giants and enemies they're going to encounter, when they will have scarcity, when they will be beaten, when they will wonder where the next meal is coming from. Also, when they see miracles and healings and reconciliation and foreign languages and foreign tongues and new cultures and all sorts of things that scare them and that are also bless them and are beautiful. All they know right now is that if they follow Jesus, they get to walk and talk with God. At the end, he says, get away from me. I'm a sinner. You are the Lord. He says, follow me. Let's go catch some human beings together. Share in my work. And so we be those who share. The main thing here is I want to say the things that you get to share in, right? New highs and hopes that you never would have had if you'd stayed home fishing. If they had stayed home, someday they might sit around with their friends and brag about the size of their fishing company. Oh, remember when Lake Gennesaret Company was at its heights? That was cool. Instead, something they never could have asked or imagined happened in their lives and with their lives and through their lives, and they gave them up to the kingdom. New highs, also new lows that they might not have had, new griefs, new sorrows that would Yes, hurt, but also make them deeper and richer people and more empathetic and compassionate in and to the world. If they had stayed home and protected themselves and stayed vulnerable, I mean, protected themselves from vulnerability, they probably wouldn't have encountered so much sadness and loss and grief and injustice in the world. But instead it became like the baseline that fills out a song. It comes in for them and makes them deeper and richer people. They have concern for others that they never would have had at home if they haven't left their homeland and followed him. Now they care about the whole world. And they have powers that they wouldn't have had that God shared with them, healing, spiritual gifts, teaching, wisdom. And the point is, is that God, if we share in his life, then we become fuller ourselves. We have more to share in and to share with. We have more of ourselves to share with the world. Instead of being closed off people protecting, we walk out, We talk in the moment. We're learning new things with God, eating new things, new encounters, new community. We see enemies that we used to think were enemies. We now realize, as we talked about just last week, I think, actually becoming friends, strangers becoming family. See, when Jesus shows up where we work, where we live, in our classroom, at your kids' games, at a party in the kitchen, or gathered around dinner tables, he always asks us to do something strange like go fishing in broad daylight. It's weird, it's strange, it's outside of your routine. But often this is where Jesus' call comes to you. This week, in the ordinary place of life, where you're just going about your business. One author puts it this way. God always comes to us disguised as our life. And for most religious people, that is disappointing. The point here is that you are called to be on pilgrimage to newer, better things, but he is coming to where you are in your ordinary life this week, as you're just fishing, going about your business and saying to you, follow me right here, right now, again today. Go with me. Walk in my ways. Stay curious. Be a seeker. Don't settle. Surrender to my will, even as I surrender to God's. And we follow him. And you will share in my life. You will share in new things. You will share in the miracles of the kingdom. Jesus is the one who still seeks and saves those who are lost. He is the one who surrenders fully to God's will. He is the one who shares all the healing and restorative beauty and bounty of God's life and love and kingdom with us. So when we follow him, we participate in this way of life, this path, this pilgrimage. Today, let me encourage you to seek, to surrender, and to share, and to taste the excitement and the joy of being God's pilgrim people.